Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Dewey Burke. You're listening to the Inside Carolina podcast. Dewey, uh, about 30 minutes ago, I thought this podcast might be a little different than it's going to be. Carolina struggling with Notre Dame, couldn't really get any rhythm. And then as we go to the Nasir Little portion of the program, the freshman showed up big for North Carolina, 75-69. Carolina pulls it out in the end. Your overall thoughts? Yeah, well, speaking about Nasir, obviously everybody's going to be excited about his emergence in this game. For me, I thought he was just reactive and went and played. He wasn't thinking as much. He wasn't settling for long twos. I know he took the one that he airballed, but uh, the reason I thought he was successful is because he just seemed like he wasn't thinking about what he was trying to do and just said, I'm going to attack the glass, uh, or excuse me, attack the rim. And it started with that rip through baseline drive with the dunk, which was really nice. He got the bucket with the left in transition, had an offensive rebound and a putback. He just seemed to make a concerted effort to just be aggressive and get himself around the rim and not settle. Uh, But my biggest takeaway was it looked like for the first time, I don't know about all year because he played well a game or two early, but at least in a long time that he just played. He wasn't thinking or worrying, and I didn't think he was great in the first half. But in the second half, he he just got after it a little bit, let his activity be the reason that he was a spark for us, and he was really good. It was great to see. He certainly, you know, first half did nothing. And you and I texted back and forth and said he, he's not doing anything. He's not moving without the ball. He's not setting any screens. Um, for a while there, I started thinking about a guy – that we used to talk about a lot, that if he wasn't scoring, he wasn't helping, and that was Bryce Johnson. And, of course, it took Bryce many moons to figure it out, and he finally did, of course. But Little, like you said in the second half, I believe he came in under the 12-minute mark and put up 11 points and six rebounds Uh, from there on. I mean, let's talk about him in the post. And we talked about this at length on the podcast yesterday with Sherelle McMillan and Ross Martin. I know Adrian Atkinson does all our analytics and all the numbers for Inside Carolina, and his numbers say that Nas at the four is not good for North Carolina. The numbers say that. But I just see that as the difference maker for North Carolina. And the reason I say that is that he is more comfortable around the basket He's more, he's freer. Now, if he drives like he did, he certainly can get, get in the paint, but he does that off ISOs more than through traffic, I think. But we've seen the ceiling or at least close to the ceiling with Garrison Brooks as the behind, as the back to the basket post for this offense. And it, Brooks just isn't that guy. I think Nasir could be. What do you think? Well, I would argue against Adrian's – I know what the numbers say, I get that, but I would. I, it's still an incomplete assessment. That's my thought. It, it's, I know he's played some at the four, and it's kind of unfair to Nasir because typically when he plays the four, his five is Luke May, who's 6'8". So he's, he's in a small front court. It's not like his five is John Henson or Tyler Zeller or guys we've had historically that would – completely changed that picture. So he falls victim a little bit to personnel when it comes to the analytics that I don't think are completely fair to him. 
I think the more he is, to your point, around the basket and using his ability, even if he gets the ball in the post and turns and misses that first shot, his second and third jump ability is going to be so much more explosive and quicker than most of the guys we're playing against that he's just going to have the opportunity to be around the ball more if he can truly play the four. And I thought there were a couple times in this game where we missed him. He had, I'm going to miss on the kid's name. I think it was Goodwin. Yeah, 23. 23 for Notre Dame was guarding him, and we missed him in the post a couple times where he could have backed him down and put him in the basket. So as well as he did in the second half, I thought there were a couple opportunities we had to get him the ball in, in positions to be successful where we didn't even get it to him. So, look, I, I understand what Adrian's saying and the analytics are what they are, but the eye test is you got to figure out a way to get the guy the ball around the rim and try to help him be successful. He doesn't handle the ball well enough to really create all that much off the bounce for himself and get a jump shot. He's really struggled with that of late and settled for long twos, which if you want to look at the analytics is the worst shot in basketball now. Um, but if we can figure out a way where he can catch the ball on the wing, rip through one dribble, two dribble, explode to the basket, get the ball in transition when the defense isn't set, uh, isn't set explode to the rim, couple offensive rebounds, putbacks, maybe run a play for him for a lob. That, to me, utilizes what his current skill set is. And then this offseason, whether he's coming back or going to the pros, he can work on all those individual skills. But right now, at this level, he is not able to create a shot for himself. So the way he can be successful is those those different ways I just outlined. And again, we've seen the ceiling for Garrison Brooks. He's not yet, or anyway, one of the guys that we've had that was a McDonald's All-American and is going to be a first-round pick. That's not his. That's not going to be his journey. So we've got to find other ways to score because I've steadfastly said to you that uh, pretty much unless Cam. Uh, Kobe and Luke score and play well, we cannot win. And God, how nice would it be for the emergence of a fourth person to take some of that burden off those guys? Yeah. And when I watched Little, and we've talked about the, you know, where he can get around the guy, he did it on the dunk, he did it a couple times. He needs to have the lane cleared. And I, I tweeted it out, uh, you know, get Cameron Johnson and Luke May out on the three point line. I felt like watching, and I'm not picking on Garrison Brooks at all. He had eight rebounds. He he did other things tonight uh, that helped North Carolina win, but he seemed like he cluttered the lane a few times when Nas was trying to drive or maybe when Kobe was trying to drive. So I ask you this, any chance um, seeing what he saw tonight that Roy Williams sort of switches things up a little bit, and I'm not necessarily talking about starting lineups or whatever. I'm talking about offensive approach in the half court. Because I think it's pretty clear, and of course, you know, if you disagree, I'd go with yours, your opinion if I was a listener, but I think it's pretty clear that Carolina's not at the point, and we've mentioned it with Nas and Brooks comparison, that they can just post somebody up, not named Nas, and have any effective offense. No, and even Luke, I mean, you know, how many times the ball go into Luke tonight? in the post where he tried to make a spoon move or, or get a shot off and he missed. I mean, he was six for 19. So even him as our go-to best big, we've talked about this. He's really a, he's really a stretch four three that likes to shoot the ball from the, from the outside. And that's where he's best. So we really have zero post presence. That's the truth. So 
your question, will Coach Williams switch things up? We have within our offense a couple of sets and a couple of ways that we can run our offense that are designed to open up more driving lanes. One is called open, and then the other is just kind of a five out where you try to raise everybody up above the free throw line and get some back doors and open up penetration lanes. We ran it a lot that year that we went to PJ at the four and played small. And so it is there. It's in the offense. And I think to your point, as we continue to struggle around the rim, we're going to have no choice but to try to become more of a penetrating pitch, slashing, uh, you know, perimeter dominant team in terms of how we try to score. We're just not going to be able to throw it in there because like, Notre Dame's bigs aren't even elite. And we had a terrible time scoring around the rim. We made that kid, uh, Mooney, look like a first-team All-American. He's a nice player, but he had, what, four or five blocks and 20 rebounds? I mean, come on. You know, we wouldn't have even noticed that guy in years past playing against a pair of Kennedy Meeks and Isaiah Hicks or, you know, pick pick your pair from the last 15 years. That's just not – it's just not indicative of, of, of the bigs we've typically had. So – you know, again, we are who we are. We talked at the beginning of the year before the season started that our best five was Kobe, Cam, Kenny, Luke, and Nas. You saw that group out there finishing the game tonight. He put B-Rob in here and there. But that's our best five. I mean, Garrison's been really good at times defensively, but he's so limited offensively that in order for us to be able to compete in this conference, you're not going to win a lot of games scoring 75 points you got to score 90 for us. You know, I know Virginia likes to play in the 60s, but forget that. You know, that aside, you got to score 90 in this league to be really, really good. And I think our best opportunity to really score the ball is when we have that smaller lineup, when we play some more four out and five out, and try to create more lanes for guys to penetrate and pitch and live and die by the three. That's who we're going to be. I'm going to take a quick commercial break, come back. Let's talk about some more guys that had a, a- – Big impact on Carolina's 75-69 win over Notre Dame. Dewey, you mentioned B-Rob in your segment right before the break, and he, quite frankly, even though it was a three-point game at the half, he felt like he kept North Carolina in it. Um, Notre Dame, of course, with the 8-0 run to take the lead, but Brandon Robinson, we talk a lot about uh, getting more minutes for Leakey, you know, getting uh, – more minutes for the starters or whatever. B-Rob continues uh, to show that when he's out there, he's a factor, and he's definitely not a negative. But when you're going three for three in the first half on three-pointers, I don't think there's any way Roy Williams can expect more from that kid. No, I think that's right. He was really good. He was really solid tonight. And, and again, not that we've necessarily said this about Brandon, that he overthinks or anything, but I love the fact that he wasn't thinking about, is this a good shot? Should I shoot it? Just catch and rip it. And when you're reactive that way and just playing based on off a of feel and not overthinking, you tend to play better. And I thought, especially that third one he hit in the corner that was even somewhat contested, there was no doubt in his mind he was shooting that. So that was great to see. He gave us really quality minutes. He was solid defensively. And what we're seeing is, is coaches starting to pare down the rotation which we talked about always happens around this time of year. You saw Playtech didn't play tonight. By default with Sterling being hurt, he's not in there. So the rotation is paring down. And it looks to me right now that, that B-Rob has clearly beat out Leakey for 
those minutes backing up Kenny and Cam right now. Um, I'm a huge fan of Leakey's. We've talked about that. He was aggressive tonight hunting his shot, even though they weren't really high-quality shots. Uh, but he didn't even get in the second half. So Coach clearly is happy with what he's seeing from Brandon. He's made a lot of shots the last four or five games, it feels like. Uh, and as long as he can continue to be solid on the defensive end, not turn the ball over, and make open shots, you got to play him. Every game will be different. Robinson, 16 minutes, 3 for 4 for 3 for 9 points. Leaky 0 for 3 in just 3 minutes of action. Didn't scratch – well, did have one steal, so he scratched the board. Just – it's crazy how it works. Each each night is different. Um, some guys build on good performances. Some guys just go night to night, and whatever happens, happens. One guy we did talk about when we were texting back and forth is Kobe White, and fouled out five point uh, five personal fouls. I think he fouled out late there, but seventeen points on six eleven, six from eleven, and four for seven threes. <laughs> My concern watching him fall the other night was that that wrist is going to be a problem. I thought he hurt his left, but they taped his right. Uh, But he came right out of the gate and ripped the three. I think that sort of allayed a lot of fears folks might have had that uh, his shooting wrist would be a problem. Kobe White leads the team in scoring again and just continues to be fantastic as a freshman. Yeah, just love the kid. I mean, I, I I can't say it enough. He's still going to turn it over and he had the charge and he's still figuring out when over penetrating is, is a problem, that kind of thing. But I just love his heart. I love the kid. I mean, maybe I'm blinded by it, but I just think he's so fantastic. He's the engine for our whole team. I loved how excited he got for Nasir when he had his couple buckets. That to me is indicative of, of how much passion he has for, what we are doing out on the floor. He was just jacked for his roommate, which I thought was super cool. Um, Shoots it with confidence. How about that layup late? That was interesting because we ran a box set. It was a set play looking for either Nasir on the block or we had Kenny coming off a double down screen. And Kobe hit the guy who was guarding him, made a little reach for the ball right between his legs, right to the rim, just abandoned what we were in and got right to the rack. I love that. That was just – indicative again of what we I've said a couple times I know we were running a play but he just abandoned it and saw an opportunity to get to the rim and just went for it and as a freshman point guard to be able to do that mentally to to be in a place where you understand the offense enough that you're not just thinking okay I'm dribbling the ball okay here comes the diagonal screen for Nasir and and if he's not open I'm looking at my second option to be able to recognize that we're running a set, but still be a basketball player and, and take advantage of a situation and get to the rim. I just thought that was fantastic. Um, shot it great. Was good on the glass. I think he had four or five rebounds. He had five rebounds. And, you know, if he hadn't uh, had foul trouble, he would have played a lot more minutes. But uh, I keep saying it. I won't stop saying it. As he goes, we go. We need him and Cam and Luke to play well every night for us to win in this conference. Yeah, let me ask you this. As a former player, a point guard, when does it sort of start clicking when to get all the way to the rim, when to pull up? When when does that sort of come into play? Because if that's one knock on him, he gets too deep a lot. He got the offensive fouls. He's had a few offensive fouls. When do you start seeing that sort of – because I think he's got a nice mid-range game from, you know, 8 to 12 feet if he'll use it more. Uh, when do you see that sort of developing for a player like him? 
Yeah, I think it's recognition of how many defenders are back. You know, it's it's just so different than high school, right? Like he would get the ball in an outlet in high school. All five guys could have been back and he could have worked his way through all of them and got to the rim or got the shot he wanted because he was so much more gifted. And the reality is when you get to this level, if there's two or more guys back, one of the guys is going to take you guarding the basketball and the second guy is going to be able to come and help and draw a charge or at least get you to to reroute the way you're going. So he's got to recognize a little better how many people are back and let that determine how far he gets into the lane. But look, when there's one guy back, he should all day go to the rim. But two or more, he's got to be a little more selective, be willing to just get to that 15-foot area and then make the decision, whether it's pull up, which he hit a nice one tonight, find his shooters on the wings. I would tell you, one of the things I thought Ty was so gifted at all those years back was he never made a mistake, hardly, in those situations. When there was one guy back, or if there was a couple guys back, but they weren't set, he put the, the jets on and got to the rim himself. But if he read and recognized two or three defenders that were back and alert, he was able to just push it enough right into that 15-foot area to draw two guys, and then boom, he hit Wayne or he hit Danny for a three. He just his feel for that was just uncanny. And again, different than Kendall, like we used to talk about. Kendall would would push the break with a pitch-ahead path as opposed to with the speed with the dribble. So Kobe's just got to keep watching tape. He's got to keep seeing that if he tries to get to 8 to 10 feet, more often than not, he's going to get himself in a bad spot or he's going to draw a charge. So he'll get there. He'll get there. He's too good not to figure it out. But I think it's recognizing how many defenders are back and 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 making the right read from there. A couple other topics I want to get to before I let you go. Let me just go through some stats. Cam Johnson, nice game, 11 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists. I'd like to see a Carolina player get a triple-double. Johnson, pretty close to it in a game like tonight. Let me ask you this. We've talked, can Carolina win ugly? So Carolina has four fast break points, which I would think would be um, probably in the top five of worst performances in a 30, 35, 40 game season. They shot below 40% from the field. Three pointers, nine for 21, not bad. Uh, Is this an ugly win for North Carolina? I sure think it was. I mean, we, we were brutal in the first half, especially those last couple minutes. But again, it's it's unfortunately more of the same of what we've been talking about. It's it's two things: turning the ball over carelessly and inability to guard the ball screen. And that's what the whole first half was. I don't know if anybody was watching. If if you looked at the corner as that kid hit that three pointer to close the first half, Coach Williams was flipping out as he was walking off into the tunnel. And the reason was. In those situations, we almost always and were at this point switching all screens. So any screen, any rub, any ball screen, you're just switching. And his backup point guard, seventh, a junior, is guarding the ball. And Nas's man comes and sets a screen. And Nas switches, does what he's supposed to do. And seventh runs with his man and leaves the big on the pick and pop. Throws it back to him, catch and shoot, three, bang. And Coach Williams, like in his mind... He's thinking, okay, we've had 50 practices. That player who plays for me has been here three years. So he's had 250 practices. And 
anytime, late shot clock, late clock, when we're in man-to-man, we switch everything. Always. We practice it. We've done it every seven's been there for 100 games or whatever it's been. And he screws it up. So those are the things that are keeping him up at night, is that that's something that we practice and practice and practice. We do situational stuff all the time. We have a drill in practice called 83 to 80. And he puts that score up on the board, picks a time, you know, 45 seconds, a minute 30, whatever. And you do scenarios. You're up by three. You're down by three. What are we trying to do offensively? Okay, defensively, we're we're up by three or it's tied. We're switching everything. And you, we do this stuff over and over again. And then it's right there in front of you and we just do it wrong. And so those are the things, the attention to detail that makes us play ugly still at times. We were better in the second half. We found a way to win, but God almighty, he's going to watch the tape with the staff and turn to them and say, guys, we have done that 250 times at practice in seven's career. What else are we supposed to do for him? And I'm not meaning to rag on seven. I'm just making the point that as a coach, you can only say it so many times in so many ways. And if, if they can't just go execute it and do what they're told to do, it can be really hard to win, especially in this conference. So hopefully they can get better. Hopefully they can improve. It was better in the second half, et cetera, et cetera. But the mistakes are are elementary that we make a lot of the times. And that is what is so difficult. And that's why you saw how ticked off he was at that interview to start the second half. He's like dumbfounded at times with, with what some of the mistakes are. And And that's what watching it in the first half and when I said ugly win Carolina was able to win ugly but the ugliness is going to hold them back like you just explained to folks I mean I watched them and and my thought was how many different how many times can they screw up the the pick and roll and and I don't know if it's one specific player it's not one specific player every time it does appear to be one specific player chasing the big down the lane most often, but is there any way else to defend that play that Roy Williams could use um, effectively at all in ACC play? I think it's it's when we're small, we just switch everything. That's you know that's the the best case scenario probably because the word is out, right? You're you're the Notre Dame staff. You watched our last six games or however many, and you saw us repetitively struggle guarding the ball screen. So what are you going to run? You're going to run ball screen after ball screen. They were running a piston action also where they had a pick and roll up high. And as the the big man who screened rolled to the basket, they would send the other big from the block up high, which that's a that can be a difficult action to cover. And the way we are with the way we do it is let's say Luke's man goes and sets a ball screen high rather than doing his hedge and then sprint down the lane as his man rolls, he and Garrison would communicate and Luke would just stay high on the big that's rolling up to the top. And then Garrison would pick up his roll man. How do I know that? Because when we faced up, this is nothing new, you know, big uh, teams running piston action with their bigs is nothing new. It was there, you know, 13 years ago when I played and I remember how we would practice it. I remember the bigs needed to communicate and what we would say is low man takes the roll man. So think about what I said. Low man takes the roll man. So in the scenario I painted, Garrison's man was on the block. Luke's man was up high setting the ball screen. Garrison's the low man. So on the pick and roll, low man takes the roll man. 
I can hear Coach Williams saying it in my head 13 years later. And I know that's how we were coached. Notre Dame did that on film in other games. And yet we had several times where the bigs didn't communicate. Luke stayed with his man and was late. They didn't communicate and switch properly. Uh, One time uh, the roll man just blew right by Luke and he just let him pass and he caught a, a bounce pass for a dunk. So again, not to say the same things over and on a different type of situation, but if you're Coach Williams and you've been coaching low man takes the roll man, at least since I was there, and you drilled it, you worked on it in pre-practice yesterday, you watched it on film in the Notre Dame clips, you talked about it today at shoot-around, you talked about it today at pre-game meal, and then you come out and they run it and you don't execute it correctly, what do you, what do you say? What, what do you do if you're Coach Williams? It's like, we watch this, we, we practice this, we train them on this, and they still don't do it. So it's very difficult, I'm sure, for him to figure out ways to communicate and get through to these guys on situations like that. Uh, it's, it's a long-winded answer to what your question was, which is when we're small and the series at the four, just switch everything. Just switch it all and just live with point guards trying to get by Luke and get to the rim and guys being cross-matched, but it's better than giving up dunks. Indeed. I, I certainly agree there. And I feel like Carolina's had success in the past when they do switch everything. So maybe a new take, but like you said, just seeing the big just roll to the basket for easy layups and dunks is is as maddening as it gets uh, to watch a basketball game. Last question, and I don't mean to ask because I want you to debate with some ESPN personality, but Seth Greenberg said, and I think you may have seen it, during one of the breaks in the first half, that Carolina, this Carolina team doesn't have anybody on the team that makes the game easier for a teammate. That's an interesting thought, and I, I get what he's saying, uh, but your take on it, and I don't necessarily disagree with the man, um, but it is kind of tough to hear given the how Carolina's had for instance, point guards over the course of the years that just make the game so much easier for a big. Your thoughts on what Greenberg had to say there um, in his segue? Yeah, it's interesting. I, mean, he's, I don't think he's wrong. I, you know, we've been inside out forever. That's how Coach Smith played. That's how Coach Williams has always played. And so, if anything, I know what you said, that a lot of times you have point guards that have made it easy, but – I tend to think of it in the reverse capacity is we've always had such elite bigs that the defense had to focus on that it made things easier on our perimeter players. You know, we had the Tyler Hansbros, we had the Bryce Johnsons, the, the elite bigs, the NBA level post players that when the ball went in there, teams had to either double big to big or double off of a guard and it set their defense back a step so that if we, move the ball correctly, we could get open shots or open up a penetration lane. And we've just always had such quality bigs. And and I feel bad saying it about just, you know, plays that are kids, but we just don't have elite bigs. And so defensively, teams are just not as worried about us anymore. So they can guard the pruner players a little bit more differently. Defensively, when we had better bigs, they protected the rim, which made life easier for our pruner players on the defensive end. You could be a little bit more aggressive on the ball. 
you could take more chances shooting the passing lanes to get a deflection or a steal because you knew John Henson was back there cleaning the glass. And we just don't have that. So I don't disagree with him. I mean, I think if anything, Kobe, as he continues to improve and put up the numbers, defenses will focus more and more on him, which should allow Cam and Kenny and those guys to get more open looks as defenses are built around stopping uh, stopping Kobe. But I would just expand on his comment and say nothing's easy for us. Nothing's easy. We don't get a lot of points to transition, and that's because we don't defend well enough to get a lot of high volume of stops. We're not – I know what the numbers say, but we're not the elite rebounding team that we have been in the past, or at least it doesn't feel like we are. And because of those things, nothing's easy. We have to earn a lot of our baskets in the half court. Uh, we had to grind for those 75 points tonight. So, I mean, look, he's not wrong. Great stuff, Dewey. Carolina beats Notre Dame in an ugly one. Roy Williams in the postgame. I got my wish. I wanted to win an ugly one, and we did that. Carolina 75 Notre Dame 69, Dewey Burke, it's always a pleasure. Folks, we're calling for a Dewey podcast. I hope they enjoy this one. Dewey, I appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.